Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Hey y'all, and welcome to Touchy Subjects Podcast, the podcast that aims to break the silence that tends to come with conversations around domestic and sexual violence. I'm Sean. And I'm Amanda. And today we're going to be talking about sextortion. All right. So, Sean, why don't we start with explaining to what everybody what sextortion is? Yeah. So, um, kind of the premise of why we're going to be discussing this, uh, in December, on December 21st of last year, the Department of Justice released an article where they had done an investigation with the FBI and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And what they found was that sextortion was on the rise. So over the past year, they had received over 7,000 reports related to online financial sextortion of minors, resulting in at least 3,000 victims that were primarily boys and resulted in more than a dozen suicides. So sextortion being the use of sexual materials to kind of exploit somebody into doing something else. So in the case of the article that the FBI had released, that was based on them financially extorting somebody by saying, hey, we will use these nudes that you have sent us and release them to the public if you don't send us money. So sextortion has been around for a while. But in these examples, previously, we only had to worry about pedophiles gaining access to explicit material. And now we've opened up a whole other realm of possibility where people who are scammers are trying to access this content in order to extort children. Mm-hmm. I would also point out that you could possibly add a third category to this of people who were in dating relationships who had received images from their partner and then are now using that out to either keep that person in their relationship. It could be some, or forcing them to do things that they didn't want to do in that case as well, which is also a type of sextortion because they're using sexually explicit materials to extort or coerce that person into doing something. But for the purposes of this conversation, we're going to be talking about people who are targeting kids specifically. So the dating relationship aspect is absolutely a form of sextortion. But in this case, we're going to be trying to provide as much information as we can on sextortion of these people who are going to be targeting kids. Be it the people who are targeting kids to gain sexually explicit material from them because they are pedophiles or because they want those Im- to see those images of kids. Or the people who are trying to gain this material from kids for the purposes of extorting them financially. All right. So let's talk about how these perpetrators can target kids. Where are they finding them? How are they connecting with them? Um, And basically that all boils down to the explosion of internet accessibility to kids and teens um since the covid pandemic it seems like even children having access to the internet is 100 percent necessary 
And that exposure um, just happens to open up more doors of risk. Yeah, It's a lot harder for a older person to just find a kid on the street and get their phone number and then engage in these conversations with them. We would probably recognize like that's a creepy person or that's something that shouldn't be happening. So it's a lot easier to recognize that. Whereas these perpetrators can use the anonymity that comes from being online as a way of getting close to those, their potential victims. Um, a lot of times it's, again, this is going to be a crime where they're going to build a relationship with the person first. They're not going to start out with trying to get sexually explicit material from teens and kids because if a random person asks you for a nude online, like, mm, that's a weird person. Right. Everybody can recognize those red flags for the most part. But we're talking about people who are creating profiles to be the same age as kids and teens. So you have an adult creating a fake profile on whatever game that kids are playing and acting as if they are. Don't give me that look, Sean. Whatever game kids are playing, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is just that was the, the the phrasing of that was incredibly funny to me. Whatever <laughs> game kids are playing these days. <laughs> All right, boomer. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, gross. I just totally aged myself. <laughs> I don't know. Roblox. That's a game kids play, right? Why are you asking me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yes, Roblox is a game that kids are playing these days. Okay. So they'll create a profile on Roblox to be the same age as the other kids that are playing and form connections. And once those connections have formed, then things escalate from there where they will pose that they have interest. So if it's somebody from the opposite sex, they are you know telling them how beautiful they are and how they maybe want to have a dating relationship um and then once those things start then they'll start you're so beautiful can i have these pictures and you know kids and teens who are all of a sudden being flooded with these comments and all this attention tend to fall into that trap um and then a, a a picture gets sent, a video gets sent, whatever, and now it's theirs, they have it, and they will demand more videos, more pictures, more explicit content, otherwise they're going to release all these videos. Yeah. And there's more than just like being in an online video game and connecting with them that way. You can, uh, teens are constantly looking to have social interactions with people for the most part, but if you're looking to have some kind of social group and where you're located currently, you don't feel like there's a lot of people you fit in with, they can use online chat rooms as a means of looking for that social interaction or connecting with people who might be more like them. So if your kid is spending time online looking for these groups, they can find them. I can go to Google right now and look up discord server for world of warcraft discord server for detroit lions fans a discord server for people who want to talk about the 1984 49ers football team i'm sure i could find that chat group somewhere 
So just Googling those things and then joining like a Discord server, um, finding these people who post that kind of content on Twitter or on Instagram, they'll make those connections with them that way as well. So knowing how your child is or how kids are using social media is going to be a good way for you to be able to kind of help communicate with your kid about who they're talking to online or how these people are looking to interact with kids online. Right. And, you know, it's it's a catch-22 because you, you do want kids to be able to make connections with people who, you know, have similar interests than them, especially if, you know, maybe you're from a small town and kids in that town don't really have a lot of the same interests. You can find them out there and we want kids to be able to make those connections. But there's always going to be the chance that a predator is using that information so what's what's a good way that we can talk to our kids to make sure that they understand that this could be anyone out there that this 14 year old girl might not necessarily actually be a 14 year old girl yeah it's going to start obviously with having communication with your kids uh, because the people that they're talking to online, they're going to assume that those people are the people that they say they are. Whenever I have conversations with people about like talking to strangers online, uh, I always point out that I'm someone who's played world of Warcraft most of my life. Since I was in middle school, I've been playing world of Warcraft. So when I was in middle and high school, being a part of a guild, there's people that I clearly do not know in person. These are people who I've only built relationships with online. But my mom took a vested interest in who I was talking to. So we would we'd be sitting in our old like chat room, kind of like Discord, but it's not Discord. It was before Discord came out. But we would be chatting in these in these rooms and my mom would just like pop into my bedroom every now and then while I was talking to these people and she would like take my headset and like talk to the people in my guild. So they just knew that my mom was present. And I had a great relationship with a lot of people, a lot of the people in my guild, and I don't think any of them would have ever hurt me or anybody else, but having that presence made it known then to those people that this person does have a relationship with their parent, their parent is checking in on them, I can't possibly manipulate this person because they're either going to be communicating with their parent or I'm running the risk of that parent just seeing that communication. So being present in your kid's life, taking an interest in what they're doing, and sure, maybe you don't like roadblocks at all. Listen to your kid talk about it. Find out who they're talking to online also, because they're going to tell you about their friends. And if you're noticing some red flags pop up, then dive deeper into those conversations with them about, hey, maybe this person's not who they say they are, or figure out what you can do then to get more information about who that person is to kind of help out. Right. Or, you know, just being one of their friends on the game or on Snapchat or anything like that, because when a potential predator is looking through their friends list and they see that mom is one of those friends or that dad is one of those friends, then they know that "Mm, there's an adult presence in their life that's probably watching what's happening. Now, all of that being said, like, 
you are not responsible if someone else manipulates you or your child into these things. That is that is not in any way, shape, or form your fault. It's not, oh, I could have done these things better and this is what happened because of it. The, th- the crimes that happen from these predators are 100% solely their responsibility, as in any victimization that happens. Um, but we do know that there are these predators out there. So we just want to try and help people take those steps to try and prevent those situations from arising. Yeah. So like some tactics that a sextortionist, it's just a, it's a weird, that's, that's a weird word. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody who will use sextortion just sounds worse. So we're going to go with sextortionist. <laughs> uh, a sextortionist might use some tactics kind of like developing a false rapport with the victim, making that person believe they are somebody who they're not, trying to build a possible relationship with them. Um, they might secretly record explicit videos or messages of their chats. They might, they, if somebody's experiencing sextortion or if they're in a relationship with somebody who might possibly be not who they say they are online the your child might be more secretive or afraid to show you some of the messages that are being sent between them Um, that's a pretty good red flag to say well maybe i should actually be looking at those messages because there's probably things in there that aren't super great Um, the person might also try to hack into the person's accounts um, to get some of those photos so if they for example your kid who Let's say your kid is in a healthy relationship with somebody who they know in real life. As part of that relationship, they have decided to send photos to each other and they somehow they end up getting saved to like the iCloud or they get saved into their OneDrive. If somebody hacks then into their OneDrive or hacks into the iCloud, they can get access to those images. So then they have access to those images. They can then contact your child and say, hey, I have these things. If you don't want them to be sent out all across online, you will do this, this or this for me. Uh, they might also the 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 person might also then like threaten suicide if they've built that rapport with the person to get them to do what they don't want them to because if somebody likes somebody they're not gonna want them to commit suicide. I mean we don't want people to commit suicide regardless if we like them or not, but it's going to feel more personal if that kid has built the relationship or built a quote unquote relationship with that person who then says I'm going to kill myself if you don't do this for me. Um, So just kind of keeping those things in mind as well. Um, These are just some of the tactics that they would use to get that person to then. These are just some of the tactics that they will use to then be able to exploit that person. And a lot of these things might sound relatively familiar to you in other talks that we've had, because basically this is a form of sexual assault. And a lot of the the tactics that are used by abusers or perpetrators of sexual assault and domestic violence, um, they're the same in this situation because it's about controlling someone else. And um, so when we, when we talk about, you know, the manipulation, the coercion, things like that, it, it can all fall back to just being another form of sexual assault that's happening. And, you know, we try and make sure people understand that people who are victims of sexual assault are not at fault. 
same thing goes for this. Was it maybe not a great decision for your child to send a nude photo to someone that they thought they trusted? No, probably not a good decision. But what someone else does with that is not their fault. When I'm doing presentations talking about sexting, it's one of the things that I do let them know is that in, as part of a dating relationship, this might be a progression step in the relationship where you decide, hey, we'll sext. We'll send these messages to each other. We'll send these images to each other. That may be a natural part of the relationship. Giving them the information of, well, once you send that photo, you no longer get to dictate what that person does with it. Or giving them information of what the possible risks of doing so are, it allows for them to make that informed decision. But if they make the decision to send those photos and then the person uses them against them, that's not their fault. Because like you said, like Amanda said, they trusted this person, believed they wouldn't do these things. So it's important to not victim blame the person in this situation. And so, I mean, it's just it's important to realize that the Internet world that kids have today is very different than the Internet world that we may have grown up with as people who are adults now. When I was in middle school, like going online and the world of the internet was a new thing, right? And everybody was trying to talk about it and do it. And it was drilled into your head as a kid that you never put any kind of personal information onto the internet. But today we put our personal information onto the internet all the time. We order delivery for food. We buy things online. We literally have our entire lives on the internet so it doesn't hit the same with kids to say don't put personal information online when we literally do it all the time so you have to make sure that they understand that there's a difference in you know using amazon and putting your personal information on it and putting your whole life story into a chat room yeah. And to kind of give a more personal example of how somebody can possibly or how how I guess how easy it is for someone to fall into this situation where they have a relationship with somebody who they might not know. Um, so for me, like I said, I played World of Warcraft a lot of for most of my life. Um, so when I was in high school, one of my first girlfriends ever also played World of Warcraft. Um, so we would text all the time or we would message all the time because i would use aim because i didn't have a cell phone <sighs> <laughs> but we would communicate all the time that way we for all intensive purposes were in a dating relationship i had never met this girl in my physically in real life had we had conversations about meeting up in real life absolutely neither one of us had the ability to drive though so that was never going to happen. But it was in communications with not only like my parents, but also like the older people in my guild that were like, it's great that you guys have this like really nice relationship, but that could possibly be dangerous for either one of you. And we're like, yeah. So she and I remained friends. We never saw each other in person, but it's, as a middle school, high school boy, somebody who has the same interests as you, a girl who played the same video games as me, that's super sweet. 
that's awesome. I want to talk to this person more. So it can be really easy for somebody to fall into that trap of, wow, this person who has the same interests as me, wants to be in that kind of relationship with me, that sounds really cool. But it can also be dangerous. So just having those conversations with your kids about, well, yes, it's great that she has the same interests as you. You don't know who this person is. Right. (laughs) I'd also say don't always discount their relationships either because some of the friends that I have made online, like in video games and stuff, are some really good friends of mine that I still play video games with today. But it's helping your kid learn to be able to vet those relationships to where, is this a real person? Is this relationship genuine? Or is this someone who is trying to hurt me? Is an important conversation and a tool to be able to give them. Also, what's the response to when someone asks for that nude picture? If you say, "Mm, no, I'm not really comfortable with that. And they're like, all right, I get it. Okay. If they get mad, if they get threatening, if they get coercive about it, then you definitely need to take a step back. I mean, and that goes for any relationship that you're in, whether it's just you and your significant other texting at night and they want this and you say no, how how are they taking that that no? Um, and that can be a big indicator to you too. Mm-hmm. So just some things then for listeners, if you you or your child, if for some reason you're a teenager listening to this for whoever knows what reason, but if you have, if hey, you are teenagers te- can listen to our podcast too. Listen, they might, but I'm, I'm doubting it. <laughs> but um, so if you are a teen or if you are a parent who has teens and you do recognize some of these signs or you do realize that your kid is coming or your kid has come and talk to you and they said, hey. I am experiencing this. Um, just so you're aware, the National Center for Missing, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Kids or Children, um, they offer a service called Take It Down, which does help remove nude, partially nude or sexually explicit photos and videos of underaged people online. So if those photos are out there and they need to be removed, they have a service that's able to help you do that. Um, also pointing out any nude or explicit or sexually explicit material that is of a person under the age of 18 is considered child pornography. Um, so there's that also avenue if you do want to press charges against somebody else as well. And that might be a good thing to mention to your children too, um, even if they're in, you know, in-person relationships and want to start sending nude photos back and forth. Remind them that the fact that having those photos on your phone is child pornography even if they are under the age of 18 as well oh the national center for missing and exploited children also runs the cyber tip line and that is something that you can report those tips to um i'm sure sean will link that in our notes for the show right yeah make sure that's in the show notes um also keeping in mind that if someone is a sextortion victim Saving the chats and messages between the perpetrator and the victim. Um, This allows for law enforcement then to be more easily able to help possibly get that person to stop or have them like, you know, go to jail because they're doing something illegal. But also keeping in mind that if you do suspect it and you report it, 
it's going to possibly help other people as well. Um, there was a case that they had where one person decided to finally report someone and they ended up finding 30 other victims from that person. So reporting somebody who is sextorting someone else is also going to be a way to possibly help other people get justice or even prevent other people from experiencing the same thing. And then just kind to kind of wrap then just kind of be able to wrap this one up. Just some things to keep in mind to kind of like do a great good summary of this. Uh, some of your best defenses against it is just um, consider limiting limiting kids' internet access or just reviewing their social media privacy settings and reviewing who they're talking to online. But also the biggest thing that you can do for them is keep an open door. Make sure that your kids feel comfortable having conversations with you about what they're experiencing, what's going on in their lives, because if they feel comfortable doing so, if they notice something feels off, they are far more likely to then come and talk to you about it. Good point. So thank you all for listening today. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Touchy Subspod. Email us any questions, comments, or concerns to touchysubjectspodcast at gmail.com. And please rate and follow us on your favorite podcast listening app. It really does help the show out. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects. 